0: Hey friends, did you know that you can now become a partner of Mark Bricky's Wake Up Call? Visit anchor.fm slash wakeupcall where you can become a partner and become part of the content. Partners have the ability to ask me questions or suggest topics that I will create content about. Become a partner today at anchor.fm slash wakeupcall and I thank you. In 2018, America is divided. But in 1989, just 29 years ago, you could like it all. Metal, hip-hop, alternative, new wave, anything that was different was absolutely great. You would just spend your time trying to find things that were left of the dial. You wanted the stuff that no one else had their hands on. I wish America was still that way. Heavy metal wasn't so heavy. By today's standards, we now have guys that sing like this, people that scream, people that go nuts. But heavy metal, when it came about in the mid-80s, it was fashion. It was attitude. It was a little scary. It was a whole lot reckless. And guess what? Chicks absolutely loved it. Listen to episode one. I need tons of female attention, and you can figure out where all that comes from. But I digress. In sixth grade, I remember Motley Crue. They were reckless. Shout at the devil. Too fast to fall in love. There was something dangerous about it. But as time went on, metal became a business. It became marketed, and it became a whole lot safer. The stuff that you would hear on the radio used to be considered heavy metal. And trust me, I'm a guy that would lay on his floor every night at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock to hear the top 10 songs at 10 or the top 9 at 9, and I would sit there and listen to it. And in my mind, I was on a stage. I was the singer, and the songs that would get picked, that all the people would call in and request. That was my set list for the night. And in my imagination, the first two or three rows were just all the girls at school that had no time for me. Once again, go listen to episode one of Wake Up Call. It'll all make more sense. But as it went on, it became safer and safer. Bon Jovi was kind of the first real sugar-coated shit. You could get used to it because of his idea of don't bore us, get to the chorus. You know, every song starts out with the chorus. So it had a catchiness to it. But as we digressed into the wingers, we knew we were doomed. But in 1987, there was a band that released a record that I will still listen to today. And this is when records mattered because from song one to song end, it is absolutely solid the whole way through. And this band in 1988. They did a live performance at the Ritz. MTV recorded it, made a special of it. It was unheard of at the time. The band was so hot, and the world just needed more material from them. This was Guns N' Roses. And Guns N' Roses did a very important thing to rock and roll. They made it scary again. They said crazy language in their songs, dropping N-bombs, not backing down from any of their views, dropping F-bombs. Just, it was all, every song was about just destroying your body, drinking until you couldn't stand anymore, and getting out there and trying to do it the next day. I often wonder, was Axl Rose that guy when he wrote Appetite for Destruction? Was he already Axl Rose? Or was he still Bill Bailey from Indiana, the state where I'm birthed? That's why I have such an affinity to this band. They showed me that it was possible to get away and to become something that the whole world would pay attention to. But was he that guy when he wrote those lyrics? Or was Appetite for Destruction a script of the guy that he wanted to become? I could debate that with you for hours and hours. But think about, today we have so much access to celebrity. We can see everything as it happens. Guess what? Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson just broke up. Like, we need to know that immediately. I got an alert on my phone that said that that happened because it was breaking news. But in 1988, MTV broke the mold by showing this live performance. And let me tell you, friend. I watched it and I was glued to it. It was the first live concert that I'd ever really been able to dive in and see. And yes, I was experiencing it through the TV, but I wanted to be rock and roll. I wanted to be dangerous and I wanted the chicks. And this video of Axel just giving it to the crowd. And it was the first time I ever realized music sounds different when it's live. It's not overproduced. There's a rawness, a roughness to it. It's all happening in front of you and it all feels like it could fall apart at any second. In the summer of 1990, I was 15. Pantera released an album, Cowboys from Hell. That fall, they did a club show in Louisville. A club show is under a 1,000 people. This probably had 400 or 500 in it. And I went because Pantera, at that time, before they became a metal band, they were kind of a hair metal band. They were wearing the cowboy hats. They had the leather pants on, the cowboy boots. And I went and saw them because I wanted everything they represented. The dream was going to be there. And my wake-up call is basically the same as a Christmas story. I shot my eye out. Once I got to this world of danger and rock and roll and chicks that intimidated me, I was too scared to enjoy it. It, it didn't feel right. I wanted to belong so badly and in my mind, I was going to walk through and be that guy that I had dreamt about when I was laying on the floor in my little small eight by 10 bedroom in Southern Indiana, dreaming that the top 10 of 10 was the 10 songs that I was playing for the 10 girls that I wanted at my middle school. But when I walked in the door, I didn't belong. And I went home rejected. It didn't feel right. I was scared. I wanted to belong, but I knew that I didn't. And that was my wake-up call, that once again, I was alone. I'll see you tomorrow, but until then, belong to today.